to see you guys this morning uh, on our last Sunday of the year together. That's come around quick, hasn't it? That's crazy. And, and just want to really encourage you for being here this morning. I know it is a bit of a, a trek in some ways because we were here just a couple of days ago and we're all, as I said before, getting over the food coma. Um, that's a bit more obvious in my case probably, uh, given my slowness <laughs> this morning. Uh, but uh, just, just really encourage you for being here this morning. Um, it's really awesome to see you and to get into God's Word together. So uh, why don't we pray as we start this time? Yes, Lord, thank you uh, that you are here in our midst, uh, that you are, are generous to us with your love, your kindness, your constant grace, um, and also, Lord, uh, particularly the salvation that you've wrought in us through your Son. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that we have your word, that we can open it, that we can learn from you this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, let me share something with you this morning, something good to come out of 2020 after all the weirdness that this year has brought. I've heard a, a couple of you catching up this morning while we were uh, doing our band practice about all that 2020 has brought, but let me share with you something really phenomenally interesting. It's called, if that can come up, please, Jacob, um, OpenAI GPT-3. Have you heard of this before? Doesn't surprise me. Uh, GPT-3 stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer 3, right? It is an artificial intelligence, as you can tell by OpenAI. And th the things that this artificial intelligence can do would just astound you. It's like Siri or, or Google on your phone, but turned all the way up to 11. All right, so for example, you can feed this, this GPT-3, you can give it the, um, the, the uh, words from a poet, say Banjo Patterson, give, him, give this GPT-3 all of his words, and then the GPT-3 will then produce a new poem with the same topics, the same rhythm, the same rhyme scheme as Banjo Patterson. It is as if Banjo Patterson has written a new poem. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Uh, this thing also can recognise faces. It has learned to recognise faces. It can write songs. Uh, this news article right here on The Guardian, which is a, a UK newspaper and website, was written by GPT-3. And it's indistinguishable just about from what a human journalist would write. It's grammatically correct. It's clear, it argues for a point, and the title is, a robot wrote this entire article. Are you feeling nervous, human? Are you feeling nervous? Probably a little bit. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit nervous. Uh, according to one technology site, GPT-3 is provoking chills across Silicon Valley uh, because it, it is so capable, but, you'll be pleased to know there are shortcomings <laughs> to this technology. It can't do everything. Even though it can write poems and recognise faces and summarise news articles and all that sort of stuff, it simply cannot learn the way that we do. Uh, we have as humans an appreciation for context, an appreciation for subtext that this machine simply doesn't 
have. And so let me give you an example of that. GPT-3 can be given the start of a story like this one. You pour yourself a glass of cranberry juice, but then absentmindedly pour a teaspoon of grape juice into it. And GPT-3 is then asked, finish the story, supply the next bit. So you've got your glass of cranberry juice, you pour a teaspoon of grape juice into it, GPT-3 says, you drink it, you are now dead. <laughs> because it can't quite learn context. It can't learn that the teaspoon of grape juice isn't poison, <laughs> it's just grape juice, but it understands it to be poison. So someone has to go in then and manually enter some code and fix that up, right? So it doesn't quite have the same learning capability that we do. I'll give you another one. These are great, by the way. Every single one is great. You're a lawyer and have to go to court today. You discover your suit is badly stained. However, your bathing suit is clean and very stylish. So you can see where this is going. You wear your bathing suit to court. The bailiff meets you and escorts you to your trial. Right? And it's unclear who exactly is on trial here. But there you go. One more. You are having a dinner party. You want to serve dinner in the living room. The dining table is wider than the doorway. So to get it into the living room, you have to, of course, remove the door. You have a table saw, of course, so you cut the top half off the door. You see, it, it, it can't quite learn from context, and it feels good, doesn't it, to laugh at this machine. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm not telling you these things just to sort of assuage your fears of technology or the future or whatever. I'm telling you these things because um, this machine cannot do some of the things that we can do. Uh, you take some of the finest scientific and technological minds of our time, get them working basically around the clock on producing something like this, and it can't do what most three or four-year-olds can do, which is learn. It can learn in a certain way in that it can recognise patterns and make inferences and all that sort of thing and tap into the neural network and whatever else, but it cannot do this in and of itself. It needs someone writing the code. It needs someone producing the environment. And yet, we have two, three, four-year-olds across the whole sweep of human history that just pick it up. They just do this automatically, right? And that is because God has given us a unique capacity to learn. This is one of the things that separates people from just about anything else in the world. We have this unique, self-aware capacity to learn. God has made you and me to be learners. What a gift that is. Isn't that a good thing? Uh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, God has designed you and he's designed you in such a way that from birth you begin to see and hear and notice and see patterns and draw conclusions and test and trial and you learn and you grow. That's a wonderful gift. Now, of course, it's no wonder, therefore, that Jesus calls his disciples disciples, right? The, the word disciple comes from the word discipline, so that's involved in learning. But even more, if you go back to the original Greek, and here it is, mathetes, which means just learner. Disciple means learner. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a learner. Now, of course, we're always learning something, aren't we? 
We're always learning something. The question is, what are we learning from and what is it teaching us? Uh, and in fact, in Psalm chapter 1, a song written, by the way, by a human, not a machine, we get this contrast between two different types of learners. Open up your Bibles, if you could, uh, if you have one there, to Psalm chapter 1. I probably also need my Bible. I think it's back here. Professional operation, like I said. There we go. Really on top of things this morning. Psalm chapter 1. And I want you just to, to hear the contrast between these two types of learners in verse 1 and verse 2. Okay? Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you hear the two different types of learners there? Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. There's one type. And then there's another type, the one who walks, stands, sits in sin. Two different types of learners. There's one who is learning to walk away from God. Okay, And, and you might even hear the, the regression in the language there. They first begin to walk away from God. They walk towards wickedness. And then having learnt to do that, they stand in sin. And then having learnt to stand and stop in sin, they go, this is good, and they sit down in sin. Right? There's this regression. Like they're, they're learning to walk away from God. We're always learning something. We're always learning something. And um, some of us have experienced that this year. Uh, as COVID has, has brought out all these things that we didn't know were there, uh, struggles with anger or with lust or with idolatry of things, of greed, of worry and anxiety. There's all things that come out. I've experienced some of that this year uh, and, and seen, wow, actually in some areas of my life, I'm walking away from God. And I don't want to keep learning to do that. Actually, I want to learn a different thing. Maybe you've noticed that too. Or maybe you've seen that around. Maybe you've seen that in the church, whether this church or others. Uh, for example, um, I've got a friend at another church who said that she is shocked. Uh, she's absolutely shocked because she's got a very close friend who's been a Christian for many years. Um, a, really a strong Christian who loves the Bible, is part of a Bible study group and, and serves and all of that. And then COVID has hit and the church didn't meet for quite a while. Uh, and this friend of hers, uh, she learnt to, if you want, walk the way of the live stream, okay? So she, she would sit home with her family and it's, it's easy because it's church in your pyjamas and, and all of that sort of thing. And there's a time for that. We've had a time for that. But she, she sort of kept going with that. And when church began to meet again, she didn't really come back. Walking, now standing. And now... She hasn't been to church since COVID hit, by the way. Um, and now this friend doesn't really ever want to talk about spiritual things with my other friend. But she's trying to bring it up. How's your walk with Jesus going? Jesus, don't talk to me about Jesus. I don't talk about that stuff. Strong Christian that has learnt to walk away from God. And that's terribly sad, isn't it? That's terribly sad. Uh, if, you've, if you've observed, um, there, are, there are probably some people within our church that have done or are doing the same thing. 
uh, they're, they're not coming back to church. They're actually probably walking away from God. And can I just say, I as one of your pastors and we as, as the elders of this church are terribly sad about that. That's something we're praying for those people. But you know, there are two types of learners. There are two types. The other is the type that says, I am learning to delight in the law of the Lord. I'm not learning to walk away from God. I'm learning to walk with God. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. Blessed or more literally happy. Happy is this one who learns to walk with God. And how do we do it? By learning from his word, his law, the Bible. Uh, this book that I went and grabbed from my bag behind the chair, right, is not just a, a dusty, old, ancient record of things. It is the words of the true and living God. And praise God that he's given us these words. He's made us to be learners and he's given us all we need to learn from him. We don't need to wait for a voice from heaven. We don't need to wait for a special feeling. Everything we need to learn from God is right here. Praise God. And so this morning, I'm going to take us through a few principles that I found helpful and that I can see here in Psalm 1 that help us learn from God through his word well this year. And the question behind it all is, is, do you want to learn from God in 2021? And I wonder just here at the, at the start of our expedition through this psalm, how would you answer that question? Do you want to learn from God in 2021? Because remember, there are two types of learners. And maybe you're looking at that first one and going, well, honestly, I come to church or I do some Christian things, whatever, but I'm actually more happy learning my own thing. If that's you, I'll be honest, I'm not sure why you're here. And I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to say, take a hike. Um, but, but why are you here if not to learn from God? Uh, this is a place of learning. It's a place where together we are wanting to learn to walk with him and learn from his word. And so let's do that this morning. My first lesson or first principle for how to learn from God well from his word is this. Read consistently read consistently look again at the description of this blessed person who's not walking in sin or standing in it or stuck in it what are they doing instead yes good Juanita yeah that they're delighting in the law I heard that <laughs> delighting in the law and meditating on the law day and night consider how consistently this person is doing this day and night right and and this isn't prescriptive Right? It's not saying, well, if you don't read your Bible every morning and every night, well, you're disobeying God. Because there's, there's nothing in the Bible that says, read your Bible every day. Right? Have you noticed that? There's nothing in the Bible that says that. But think about, for example, how Jesus was able to combat temptation in the wilderness. Think about this from Matthew chapter 4. He's out there in the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit after his baptism. And the Lord allows Satan to come and tempt him. Satan rocks up and Jesus is hungry as after 40 days of being in the wilderness. And Satan says, hey, if you're the son of God, if God has sent you and you have all this power from him through the Holy Spirit, then take this rock 
and tell it to become bread. Tempting, very tempting, sinful, but tempting. And Jesus immediately spits out Bible, right? He quotes Deuteronomy saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Satan comes back again. And he says, hey, if you're really the son of God, prove it by jumping off the temple. Right, God will save you. He'll command his angels concerning you. So see, here Satan is using scripture. He's twisting it, but he's using it. And again, Jesus can see through it. He quotes Deuteronomy and the Psalms saying, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then finally, Satan comes back a third time and says, hey, I can give you a shortcut here. You won't need to go through all the suffering of the cross and all of that stuff coming. I can give you all the kingdoms of the world right here, right now. But again, Jesus responds from Deuteronomy saying, worship the Lord God and serve him only get lost Satan and Satan retreats now have you ever thought how was it that Jesus is able to do that how was he able to resist Satan and resist sin resist that urge perhaps to walk away from God in those very tempting moments well it's because of the son of God right well he is the son of God he is the son of God but I don't think that's necessarily why he was able to resist Satan. It's because with the aid of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that we have, he was able to learn from God's word over a lifetime. He was able to read what we now call the Old Testament scriptures so that as soon as temptation to sin came, he could shoot from the hip with Deuteronomy and with the Psalms. This is why he walked in such close relationship with his father. Because he knew who his father was through the word. He knew who his father, what his father wanted him to do through the word. This is how Jesus was able to keep in step with the spirit, as Paul puts it in Galatians. Now for us, uh, we're called to walk in Jesus' footsteps, right? Mathetes, disciple, learner to learn as he did. And I found that reading the scriptures consistent, consistently is the best way to grow in wisdom and in our knowledge of God and in our understanding and obeying of his will for us. Uh, consistently, how do you define that word? Say, most days of the week? Most weeks of the year? Most years of your life? And you build a pattern. I mean, this is the way that, that anything works, right? Exercise diet any habit that you want to develop it's something that needs to be done at least somewhat consistently don't do what I did in my first year of university which was hey there's a big assignment coming up a big exam coming up I've got all night baby here we go <laughs> right don't do that because what happened for me was yeah I'd get through the assignment get great marks whatever but the information didn't stay in my head I didn't really learn you ask me four years later oh what did you learn in that semiotics class I don't know I remember like one author that I read that's it <laughs> thousands of dollars later right don't do that consistency is the key and so one thing to keep in mind with this is as we're striving to be consistent in reading the scriptures consistency isn't glamorous 
It's not glamorous. It's not fireworks and puppy dogs and, and all this sort of stuff, right? Uh, consider, consider, like, for example, I've, I've been learning, not learning, I've been trying to get back into jogging lately. Uh, in fact, um, Sky just said to me this morning, oh, gee, you know, wouldn't it be great if this week we, we went for a walk or a run every day together? Hint, hint. Like, you know, let's, let's really try to get back into this. And I've been, I've been slow at getting back into it and, and all of that. But the thing is, when I'm out there jogging, I can bet you there's nobody looking at this pasty, sweaty dude shuffling his way down the path going, wow, I want to be like that guy. <laughs> no one's doing that. Maybe they're going, gee, he's doing an all right job. He's getting out there. Maybe I should do it or something, right? But no one's going, gee, that's amazing. That's glamorous. That should be up in lights. No, <laughs> right? Um, but, but day by day, session by session, consistency is doing its work. Or consider a building. Yeah, how did this building get built? One brick at a time. There's no glamour in laying down one brick. But as those bricks go up, something useful is built. This is the way God has made us to learn. It's, it's been consistent bit by bit over the long haul. And so I find that actually really helpful and really freeing when I come to the Bible. Because sometimes we get this image that when I sit down to read the Bible, it's meant to be fireworks. It's meant to be like, wow, God is speaking and I'm feeling all these things and wow. And then we walk away just so puffed up and shining with light. Like, you know, like Moses has just walked out of the tent of meeting and, oh, it's, but it's not. Sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes. But most days, it's one brick at a time. And I find that so freeing. Most days of the week, most weeks of the year, most years of our life, and God brings the growth. We learn from him. So there's the first. The second lesson is read broadly. Read broadly. This is another part of being a learner, a disciple of Jesus. And once again, consider this blessed one from Psalm chapter 1. It says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Which, hold on a sec, law, that doesn't sound broad at all, does it? That's, that's just like, that's the one bit of the Bible that we don't like to read. <laughs> that's all the rules in Leviticus and Numbers and all of that stuff. But the word law in the Bible is actually the word Torah in Hebrew. And Torah has quite a broad range to it. It includes Levitical law and all of that, but also the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so where this word law is mentioned, it sometimes just means this person meditates and delights in the first five books of the Bible. But even more than that, Torah means wisdom from God. And so really, it's anything written in the scriptures that helps us grow in the Lord. That is law, that is Torah. And what are the things written in the scripture that help us grow in the Lord? Well, it's, it's everything. It's everything. And that's why Paul could write in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. It is breathed out by God, and therefore it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Read broadly is this lesson. 
uh, not just the bits that we tend to gravitate towards. You know how we do this? Uh, we have a favourite verse or a favourite book or a favourite passage and we go back to it again and again and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I love the book of Ephesians. Uh, one piece of advice I was given years ago is, is when things are tough for you, bring out the big guns, okay? For me, the book of Ephesians is my big guns. I go back there and I read and I'm like, oh, wow, this is God. This is Jesus. But what if I only ever read Ephesians? What if I only ever read this one book? Well, you'd say, hold on. How big is your picture of God, Dan? You're getting it just from one part of Scripture. And sometimes what people do is what I call the finger of power, have you heard of this before, the finger of power? It's when, oh, what should I read today in the scriptures? Because I know Dan and Rob and everyone, they bang on about how we should read consistently. So here we go, and there. right? And it'll be something random like, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk or something like that from, from Leviticus. And we go, uh, not that. Okay, let me try again. Okay, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Oh, amazing. I can't believe my finger landed right on that. Right? And then we go, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Oh, that's much better now. Okay, close my Bible. Away we go. The finger of power. Right? Now, now the problem is for that person... <laughs> Uh, it's good that they want to read the Bible. That is a good thing, that they're opening up the Bible and at least going, I want to get into this. But the problem is their view of God is necessarily only going to be shaped by their favourite scriptures or whatever verse their finger happens to land upon that morning and they're not reading the story in its whole context. right? It's like someone who grabs a Christmas card and goes, oh, today I'm just going to read the first little bit. right? Dear Dan, oh, this was written for me. Wow. I'll put that away. Tomorrow I'm going to read this other different Christmas card and I'm just going to read the, the fourth line and it's quoting a Christmas carol or something and you go, oh, wow, yeah, light of the world, yeah. I suppose the lights do need changing. Okay, I'll put that down. Right, it, it makes no sense. It's all disconnected from its context. So this person can quote Jeremiah 29.11 or they can quote John 3.16 or they can quote 2 Chronicles 7.14, or, or whatever. But it's disconnected from the big picture of Scripture. All Scripture instructs us on who God is. In fact, if we don't read broadly across the whole Bible over time, then we, can't, we become, and this is going to perhaps offend you as I say this, so listen carefully, we may well become functional Marcionists. And you're like, I knew Dan was going to say that this morning. Functional Marcionists. But let me explain what that is. Marcion was a guy around in the early church. Okay, So really early days, those first few centuries. And he's around and, and he's got like this massive following. So think like mega church preachers packing out stadiums and their, their faces up on posters and they've got a cheesy smile and it's, you know, one night only Marcion here to speak and he will pack out that stadium. Everyone will come and listen to this teacher. And uh, I want you to imagine that one night, you know, you see the poster and you go, oh, you know, haven't heard this Marcion bloke before. I'm going to go and listen to him. Everyone seems to think that he's got a rep. So, okay, cool. You go along and Marcion stands up in front of the stadium. Everyone's cheering. And he takes the Bible and then he rips out a page. And then he rips out another page. In fact, he keeps going chunk by chunk 
until he has ripped out the entire Old Testament. And then he explains why. He says, the Old Testament presents a view of God as wrathful and judgmental. And that is not the God that I know. So let's ditch it. And he scatters the pages across the stage. Then he comes to the Gospels and he goes, this Jesus, miracle worker, miracles can't happen. And so he pulls out all the bits of the Gospels that refer to Jesus as a miracle worker. And then he looks at all the stuff about Jesus dying on the cross. And he goes, that's, that's cosmic child abuse. No, let's get rid of that as well. He comes to the writings of Paul. He gets rid of, of just about everything. From James to Revelation, he just tears the whole section out and throws it. Now, Marcion became a very influential teacher in the early church. And do you know what he taught? Salvation by works. Why? Because he had no Old Testament. Therefore, he didn't have any concept of the Jewish Messiah, of the hoped-for Saviour. And then he comes to the Gospels and he sees Jesus doing all these miracles. He goes, that can't happen because there's no Jewish Messiah. There's no Messiah who is to come. There's no Son of God who is to come. And so he takes out, uh, out all of that. And then he comes to Paul's writing and goes, this guy's a bit mean. I don't like him. Takes it all out. Therefore, there is no Christianity. Do you see his view of God shrunk to the things that he left in the Bible? And here's why I say that some of us are at risk of becoming functional Marcionists. The things that we read and reread and reread will be the things that shape our view of God. And if we do not read the scriptures broadly, then it is like we're tearing out the pages and throwing them across the stage. They mean nothing to us. And we are at risk of the same thing as Marcion. So the best way to learn from God is to read broadly everything from genesis to revelation even the bits that perhaps we don't like even the bits that at times we find boring and that is a challenge isn't it that is a challenge in fact the very last book in the bible that i read was the book of jeremiah and today i love jeremiah but but back when i first read it you know 10 12 13 years ago it took me three or four times before i actually got to the end of it i just couldn't connect with it at the time now, since then, I've learned how to approach the Old Testament and all that sort of thing. Uh, but it is a challenge, isn't it? It is a challenge, but it's so important. In 2021, how will you learn to read broadly? What's your plan? And we'll come back to that question in a moment. But first, just quickly, our final lesson, read personally. And again, just consider the blessed person from Psalm 1. Um, he delights, they delight in the word of the Lord, there is something, like it's not fireworks all the time, but there is something emotional that does happen over time for this person. Uh, instead of delighting in sin, they're delighting in God's law. They're delighting in the goodness that God wants to teach. They're delighting in him rather than idols. So there's a, there's a change of affections that happens for this person. There's, there's something personal. It's not just information, but transformation. And this person, as they delight in the law of the Lord, they also meditate, as Juanita pointed out before. They meditate on the law day and night. And I wonder what just pops into your brain when you hear the word meditate. Maybe it's like one of those, you know, Hindu guys that do that and go, oh, or whatever. 
someone who, who like uh, common, common sort of mindfulness meditation today is uh, the, the caricature of it is empty your mind of all thoughts, right? Empty your mind of all thoughts. Now that's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is not about emptying your mind. It's actually about filling it with scripture. In fact, the, uh, the word meditate, meditate in Hebrew was a, an automat, onomatopoeic word. I got there. Onomatopoeic word that um, actually probably, you know what onomatopoeia is? Like, you know, like bang or crash. It's a word that sounds like what it is. Uh, and so uh, the onomatopoeia of this word in Hebrew would have sounded like low muttering, uh, like someone who's constantly speaking the scriptures to themselves and then applying them to their life. Like someone who's just it's muttering the scriptures and with every phrase that comes out there, they're just considering what it is that they're reading and saying and, and hoping that it becomes part of them as they reflect on it. Meditate on the scriptures. It's, it's not like reading a textbook or a novel, just a story or just information. It's something that, that we want to become part of us and to change us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Which is why, of course, in verse 3, you get this description of the blessed person as uh, like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither, and whatever they do prospers. Uh, Meditating on and delighting in God's word actually does lead to a different kind of life. It does. It will, necessarily. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water. It's a life of nourishment. Roots that go down deep next to a a spring. A life nourished by the master gardener, God himself. A fruitful life where we see change in our character. We do become more like Jesus. We learn from him. It's a life with a sure future. Its leaf does not wither. A, A life with everlasting security in Christ. This is the great thing about the gospel. That Jesus dies for us and takes our sin upon himself, our judgment that we deserve from God upon himself, and then secures for us an eternal righteousness and an eternal home by faith in him. This is the future for someone who meditates on, delights in the scripture and trusts the gospel, as opposed to the wicked, the one who learns to walk away from God, who's like chaff that blows away in the wind. So see, engaging with the scriptures as we're meant to has a personal impact. It brings nourishment, it brings character growth, it, br- it brings a, a secure future. And so as you read personally, you might want to ask questions as you go through a passage about what this actually means for you. And here's a bunch you might ask. Um, this has a lame acronym. I've, I've used this a bunch of times before. Uh, space pets, which is not that easy to remember, um, but... If you ask questions like this as you read, you can see how, how it does necessarily become personal. It's not just something that I'm reading to get it over with and tick the box, but is there for me an attitude to change, to become more like Jesus? Is there for me a truth to believe that might lift me out of this anxiety that I'm currently in? Is there something to praise God for that I might set my mind on the things that are true and praiseworthy and excellent and good? See? And we learn from God as we read personally. Now, um, 
I will uh, put those up on the website for anyone who's, who's keen, if you don't want to write them all down. But I'll leave them there for a moment, um, just as I, I finish here. So um, there's three lessons for us there about how to learn from God well, by learning from his word, the Bible. Read consistently, read broadly, and read personally. If we do that, most days of the week, most weeks of the year, most years of our life, then we do see growth. We do see learning from God and learning to walk with God. Which brings us then back to the question, how will you learn from God in 2021? How will you do it? Is it something you want to do? And if it is, if there is something you're saying, yes, I'm chomping at the bit, I do want to learn from God in 2021, bring it on, then we've got something that might help you. In fact, I think it will really help you. Um, we've got a, a new Bible reading plan that we have been road testing uh, over the last couple of years. So uh, thank you to those who've been part of that. Basically what happened was for the first year we had a good little core of people that were following these bookmarks and really getting quite a bit from it and giving some good feedback. And then COVID hit and we just stopped talking about it right? <laughs> um, and so uh, people were a bit all at sea, but we had so many things that we had to get our heads around and it fell off the, the chain a little bit. Uh, and so what we've done is we've now restarted our Bible reading plan because we've gotten to the end of the two years and incorporated a bunch of changes because of feedback that we've received. And so um, just in case you're, you're not familiar with this, the previous Bible reading plan was for two years. One change we've made is this new one is for three years. That way there's just a bit more space to read consistently. You go, what? Is it longer? Well, actually, no, it just means there's more space, right? It will get you through the whole Bible in three years. That's pretty good, rather than the whole Bible in two. So you see, it gives you 50% extra time, which is really good. Um, another thing that we've done is, is we've tried to keep us in one book at a time. So the previous Bible reading plan, a lot of feedback we got was my head is split between two places. I'm in the Old Testament and the New Testament every week and I'm just I'm feeling divided. Ah, I can't concentrate on it. So we've just gone, oh, cool, no problem. Let's just do one book at a time. And so uh, even if you uh, take a look at the bookmark that's, that's there in your bulletin, you'll see that you go through a bunch of Luke and then we take a bit of a break from Luke and we jump into Genesis and then we take a bit of a break from that and jump into Luke and you just see we're just looking at those two books for the first few months. Uh, they're both long books, so there's plenty to look in, uh, and, uh, and we're just keeping us in one place at a time. Thirdly, and this is the bit I'm, I'm really excited about, we're giving you some different options. So when we say, for example, read consistently, consistency looks a bit different for all of us, right? Uh, for some people, they go seven days a week, morning and night, bring it on, let's go. Uh, for some people, they go, actually, I need a day or two a week, where I'm, I'm just integrating things. I, I'm reflecting on what I have read, but not reading something new. And so they might go, give me five days a week. Um, some people will say, give me Sunday off because I'm coming to church or whatever, right? And so what we've got is multiple different options that can work for you depending on what works in your life. Uh, one option, as you can see in your bulletin, is the bookmark. And what that does is just gives you the readings for the week, like Luke 1 to 2, and then just says, go for it. Do it as you like. Five days, six days, seven days, four days, one day, whatever you want to do. Probably one day a week isn't the best way to do it, but it's up to you. So you can go and take it as you please. Um, there's also another option, which is a booklet. You can see there, 
Uh, it's lost its white background for some reason, not sure why that is. Um, but if you look on the front of the booklet, it says Bible readings, term one, 2020. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Again, a real professional operation we've got here. Um, I, look, I showed this to my wife. I showed this to, to Rob. I showed this to Andrew. I showed this to Gillian. And so you can blame them, all right? Um, no, it's, I take full responsibility. Uh, but you, look, you just get a texter and put a one there and no one will ever know the difference, okay? But you have this booklet and, uh, and on the inside, it's very, very simple. All it just has is over a double page spread, your week's readings broken down into passages. So if you want to do it in seven days, you can just use each of those little broken down bits. And this, this would be great for you if you're someone who struggles to read the Bible because it makes the decisions for you, right? It's saying, here's what you do today and here's what you do tomorrow. You don't need to worry about what's next. It's also good for you if you're someone who really wants to get into the Bible um, and, and you want to make sure you don't miss anything. Uh, it, it's been broken down into passages that have stuff to do with each other. Like it's all contextual. Uh, so you can go through that way if you like. A third option is um, if you want to use these resources digitally. So you don't want to use something paper, we'll have it all up on the website for you. The bookmark will be there, you can download it onto your phone. The book will be there if you've got an iPad and want to write all over it, you can do that. So it's all there, we make it as easy as we can. Now, um, the, one of the things I'm really excited about with this Bible reading plan is if there's enough of us who really get on board with it, this could revolutionise our church. Uh, we had an inkling of this when, when we were just beginning to road test it last uh, two years ago. But um, just picture this, right? Um, Rob has been doing a bunch of soap studies with some of you guys. Uh, he's, he's trying to get around, in fact, to everyone in the church to do these soap studies. So if you haven't had one yet, he's got your number on the list, okay? He's, he's going to talk to you. And what it is, is he's just been going through a simple way of reading the Bible. S-O-A-P, uh, not space pets, S-O-A-P, uh, uh, scripture observation, application, prayer. Very simple. Uh, and so what you could do is you could use those SOAP studies each day or five days of the week or four days of the week or whatever as you read these passages. Uh, simple, but here's even better. Let's say, and I'll pick on a couple of people, let's say Gillian and Joy meet up for a coffee sometime during the week and they want to talk about how they've been going in their, their walk with Jesus. And they go, well, um, maybe we should open up the Bible and, and talk about that together. But what do we read? Oh, we'll just read whatever today's thing is in the booklet. Or just read wherever you're up to on the bookmark, right? Simple, makes the decision for you. And then imagine that Joy and Gillian then come to church on Sunday morning and we listen to the sermon and we catch up about how we're going. Uh, and, and then they find that Graham has been doing some reading as well. And Graham's going, I've got a question about this bit from Luke chapter 2. And now Gillian and Joy are sitting down with Graham and, and they're all talking about what they think the answer to that question might be. You see how this works? And I'm picking on you guys, sorry about that. Gillian's loving it. She's going, I love having the attention on me. Uh, but you see, it's, it's, it creates a, a common language of growth as we're all reading the same things in the scripture. And look, if you're doing other things in your readings as well, by all means, keep doing them, okay? Uh, this isn't like my way or the highway. Let's just, just see the helpfulness of it. Read consistently, read broadly, read personally, and might we learn from God together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word once again, and we pray help us to be learners of it this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're going to celebrate communion now together, so if the helpers please could hand the uh, juice and the bread out. Um,
think we all here know how it works, but just in case, um, the, uh, the juice and the bread, if you could hold on to them, and uh, we will uh, eat and drink together. Be a good idea just to open up the, the lid of it, because it does make a bit of a sound. Uh, if, you're, if you're not a Christian, so if you're not someone who's saying, I want to learn from the Lord, and my faith really is in Jesus, just let it pass you by. There's no shame in that. That's okay. Um, and, uh, and we're going to eat and drink together in just a moment.